This episode of Riveting Reads is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. We already know you guys like good stories. Just go to audibletrial.com forward slash rivetingreads and browse their unmatched selection of audio programs. Download the one that grabs your attention for free and start listening. It's that easy. Just go to audibletrial.com forward slash rivetingreads to check it out. Now on to the show. Hello, and welcome to the Riveting Reads podcast, where each season brings you a serialized version of thrilling news stories, along with exclusive bonus content from the author. This is season one, Insomnia, book one of the Nightwalker series by J.R. Johansson, narrated by Roy Samuelson. New episodes are posting weekly on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Stick around after today's chapter for some author insights into the writing process behind this chapter with Insomnia's author, J.R. Johansson. Hi, I'm J.R. Johansson, and I'm here to give you a quick recap of episode 29, chapter 29 of Insomnia. At the beginning of this chapter, Parker is at home after leaving the hospital, and he has decided that he is going to try to log into the email address that has been sending Mia the threatening emails. He wants to see if there is any chance that he will be able to easily access that email address. After a couple of tries, he is able to log in using the same password that he uses on his regular email address. This confirms for him that it is him or darkness that's sending those emails, and it causes a break in him mentally. His mom comes in, finds him, and helps him, and calms him down. Parker decides that he needs to do what has to be done in order to keep the people he loves safe, and that he's going to tell them the truth. That's it for our recap of chapter 29. Stick around now for chapter 30 of Insomnia. Hope you enjoy. Insomnia, The Nightwalkers. Written by J.R. Johansson. Narrated by Roy Samuelson. 30. I stayed up late writing the letters. There were four in all. Mom, Finn, Addie, and Mia. The first three told them how important they were to me and my reasons for leaving. And the one for Mia was an apology that didn't even begin to make up for what I'd done to her. I was emotionally drained, but not tired when I finished. Mom had gone to bed hours earlier, and I couldn't help but smile at the thought that her dreams should be happy tonight. She deserved that. One night of happiness before I destroyed her by running away. I hoped once she read the letter it would help, but I wasn't going to lie to myself. She would never be the same again, and it would be my fault. The kitchen was quiet as I grabbed a drink from the fridge. I pretended not to hear his voice the first time he spoke, but darkness was nothing if not persistent. He laughed. You forget. I'm in your head. I know you can hear me. I drew in a deep breath and turned to face him. Hearing and listening aren't the same thing. He was leaning against the wall on the other side of the kitchen. I hated how confident and relaxed he looked. Darkness, dreams of complete control. His grin turned to a scowl at my words. Where do you think you're going? Somewhere else. I rolled my head back and forth on my neck. Just like darkness, the knots never seemed to go completely away. Really? His eyes glinted. You should know there is nowhere you can run that is far enough to escape me. I'm not running from you. I glanced at the letters I still gripped in one hand. I'm running from them. 
But do you think you're kidding? You think leaving this town will help? You use freaking dental floss to keep track of me, but you still don't have a clue what I've been doing. His fists were curled up by his sides, and he seemed ready to pounce. You're so stubborn, so sure you're right about everything. Maybe if you'd just relax and hand over control for more than five minutes, I could keep us alive. I locked eyes with him, struggling to keep my voice steady. That will never happen. Eventually, I won't need your permission. Darkness stepped around the corner toward me, his entire frame shaking with anger. And next time, you can count on the fact that I'll go farther than some stupid girl's backyard. I blinked, and he was gone. I pushed my palms against my eyes, letting out a huge breath. At least I now knew he hadn't gotten very far when he took over. Of course, with the damage he'd done by just writing a few emails, I didn't feel very reassured. The counter before me had row upon row of messages with my name on them. Most were from Addie and Finn. I couldn't say goodbye to them. Maybe I was a coward, but they were the only ones who knew enough to talk me out of going. And I cared too much about them to let that happen. My muscles were all kinked from my writing session. I flicked my right wrist back and forth. Glancing back at the messages, a green one from Jeff caught my attention. I picked it up. It was from a few days ago. He had scheduled a captain's meeting for the soccer team on Tuesday morning. Tomorrow. If I didn't come, the team was planning to make Matt the co-captain instead. Final warning was written along the top in Mom's curly handwriting. Interesting that she'd never mentioned the message. She probably didn't want me to stress out. That didn't matter now, but it said teams. That meant Mia would be there too. Something inside me had balked at the idea of leaving without apologizing to Mia face to face. I wanted to tell her she wouldn't have to be afraid anymore, that once I was gone she'd be safe. I hesitated. What was wrong? Was it me that wanted to see her one last time? Or darkness? I stared at the green paper for a few minutes, but I didn't feel that sinister pull I had so many times before. I nodded. This time, it would be okay. School was still out for fall break, so no one would be at school except us. Jeff had unlimited access to Coach Mahoney's keys, and it would be the perfect opportunity to give Mia her letter, say I was sorry, and then leave. No risk of running into Finn or Addie either. They would all be safe, and I would be far away. Maybe I could even tell Jeff I was sorry for being the worst, most unreliable co-captain ever. At least, he wouldn't have to share that spotlight anymore. I started to formulate my plan. Tomorrow morning, I would convince Mom to go back to work. Then I'd make sure the letters got where I needed them to go while still giving myself time to get as far as possible before Mom even knew I was gone. It was better this way. The sooner I left, the less time I had to change my mind. My backpack was all I could take. I didn't have a car anymore since the accident, and someone would probably notice me lugging my suitcase around. Dumping all my school stuff out, I started with the letters, tucking Mia's envelope carefully in an outside pocket. I placed the rest on my desk. I'd have to leave them on the counter for Mom and ask her to deliver them for me. Inside these small, white rectangles was everything I would leave behind for the people I cared about the most. My life and reputation sealed neatly in an envelope. I just hoped that now I knew the truth, I could still change the ending of my own story. 
We'll dive right back into the story after this short break. This episode of Riveting Reads is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with the 30-day trial membership. The audiobook I'd like to recommend this episode is Anna Dressed in Blood by Kendara Blake. This book is so good. It's a couple of years old for those of you who haven't read it before. It's a very, very good horror. It's about Cass Lowood who hunts, tracks, and kills ghosts. He gets sent after a ghost the locals call Anna dressed in blood. Since her death, Anna has killed any and every person who has dared to step into the deserted Victorian she used to call home. Yet she spares Cass's life. So you can see there this great hook mystery that it has, and Kendara Blake does a fantastic job with delivering the atmosphere and the tension and the pacing in this book, so I highly recommend it. So whether you decide to go with my recommendation of Anna Dressed in Blood by Kendara Blake, or go with another audiobook of your choice, you can get all set up by going to audibletrial.com forward slash riveting reads. Again, that's audibletrial.com forward slash riveting reads to get your free audiobook. Hope that was a nice breather for you because we now continue with insomnia. Are you sure? Mom frowned and shifted her weight from one pink slipper to the other. I'd bought her those for Mother's Day. It gave me an uneasy feeling knowing they would probably be the last gift she ever got from me. Positive. I put my hands on her shoulders and turned her toward her closet. You've stayed home for days. Your clients are probably homeless now because of me. They're fine. She laughed, but stopped resisting. Are you sure there isn't anything you need me here for? I can really stay home. For the 75th time, yes, I'm sure. I grabbed her cell phone off the nightstand and placed it in her hand. And if there is, I can call you. Mom glanced at the phone and nodded before turning back toward the closet. There's no school today. Will you at least have Finn come over and stay with you? I shook my head without even thinking, and she sighed. You two aren't fighting again, are you? He and Addie both seem really worried about you. Their worry felt like a punch to the gut. I don't need a babysitter. My head hurts and I want to sleep today. I'll invite them both over later tonight after I get some more rest, okay? Mom nodded and grabbed an outfit out of the closet. I'm sure that will make them feel better. I'm going to make breakfast. She dropped the clothes on the bed and stepped toward me. Oh, why don't you let me do that before I go? The exasperated sigh that gushed out of my mouth was followed by instant guilt at the hurt I saw in her eyes. She only wanted to take care of me, and I was about to rob her of the ability to ever do that again. Actually, that would be great. Thanks. I smiled when her expression brightened, and I followed her back to the kitchen. I couldn't remember the last time I had had pancakes. It wasn't that I was pancake-deprived, but it had just never been memorable before, I guess. This time would be branded on my mind forever. Mom joked and laughed about how much syrup I used, and the way they melted in my mouth made me smile. The essence of the happiness I would leave behind. The opposite of where I planned to go. The ride on the city bus was just the reverse, smelling like tar and garbage. My backpack was so full and heavy it felt ready to explode. I couldn't fit it under a seat, and I kept hitting people with it when I stood. Everyone around me was hostile and angry. I missed my car. I couldn't have taken it with me anyway. I'd seen enough fugitive TV shows to know cars were easy to track. After I finished at the school, I'd head to the bank to withdraw the money from my savings account. 
Mom and I had been putting money in it for college. Mostly mom, but I'd put in a little from lawn mowing every summer since I was ten. It wasn't enough to last forever, but it would get me by for a little while. After that would be the truck stop. Dad told me once it was the best place to start a new life. Ever since he disappeared, that idea has stuck with me. If that's where he started, I would start there too. He used to talk about Arizona a lot. How the caves were cool during the day and, with the right supplies, warm enough to survive at night. I wasn't sure when I'd decided to look for him, but it just felt like the right thing to do. Maybe he had the answers I needed. Maybe he wasn't even there. If not, at least there wouldn't be as many people around to hurt in the desert. I wondered how many hours it would be before Mom found my letters. They were so stark against the dark green countertop. They looked almost clean, but I knew what they held was anything but. Better that she knew why I was leaving than it had nothing to do with her. Yet that didn't mean it wouldn't be painful. After two stops, the bus pulled over at the corner near the high school and I got out, ignoring the grunts from the people I accidentally hit with my backpack as I passed. The school looked deserted, but I knew the door by the gym would be unlocked for the meeting. Jeff always held his meetings in the shop room. I listened for voices, but I couldn't hear anything. I was a little late, as always, but I didn't care. It's not like I came to plan game strategy. A million different ways to apologize to Mia tumbled through my head as I stepped into the room. Then everything fell away. Mia sat on the floor in the corner, wearing dark blue jeans and a pink t-shirt, her arms wrapped tightly around her shoulders. Flames flickered in the wastebasket in front of her, and her eyes spilled terror as she focused on the blaze. A stream of blood dripped from a nasty gash near her temple, flowing slowly down her cheek. No, 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 this is not happening, my brain screamed. I took a step back from the nightmare in front of me. It had to be another hallucination. This was impossible. How could darkness have done this? I'd missed no time this morning. It didn't matter. I wasn't darkness right now. I was myself, and I would help her. I took one hesitant step forward before something slammed into my head, crushing against my skull in an explosion of pain. And then I could see nothing at all. Thanks for listening to the Riveting Reads podcast, Season 1, Insomnia. New podcast episodes will be available every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. If you're not the patient type and want the full book now, you can find the audiobook on Audible Podcasts or the paperback version on Amazon. Stick around for some author insights from J.R. Johansson about the chapter featured in this episode. Hi, I'm J.R. Johansson, and welcome to the Author Landsight section on Chapter 30. Looking back as an adult, there are certain memories from when we are younger that are seared in or imprinted in a way that an average day was not. Generally, for me at least, it wasn't about what I was doing or why, it's who I was with and the situation that we were in. Particularly stressful or emotional situations seem to produce the most vivid memories for me, but it isn't usually of the emotion itself or the thing that caused it. 
I remember the first time that I faced death in an up-close way. My mom's cousin had died, and she told us about it. He was young and had died unexpectedly and in an accident. The fascinating thing to me is that it isn't my feelings about the death or what she told us that sticks with me now. It's the fact that for weeks after, every time that I left anyone in my family or they left me, I felt this panic-driven need to tell them I loved them. The idea that any moment could be my last and what I wanted the last thing that I said to them to be definitely had an impact on me. Over time it faded and I eventually stopped, but I still remember that desperate need to make sure I said it. I also remember how annoyed my siblings were by my new habit <laughs> and how they acted like I'd been possessed the first couple days that I was doing it. Mom, Jen keeps saying she loves me. It's weird. Make her stop. <laughs> Our family's fun. <laughs> And that's it for the Authorly Insight section on Chapter 30. Thanks for listening, and I will see you next time. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Riveting Reads. Please check out details for our reader appreciation program in the podcast notes or on rivetingreadspodcast.com. Also, a reminder that we're still a new podcast and we would love to hear from you. Please subscribe as well as rating and reviewing in your podcast app. Thanks, and we'll see you in a few days for the next episode.